Matt Schaff, Jared Small of DraftSharks.com here to talk some best ball strategy. And Jared, of course, the two things that make best ball unique versus typical redraft, uh, you, in most cases, cannot make changes to your roster after the draft. You draft a team and then you just let it play out as it goes. Now, that means your optimal starting lineup is pulled from the players that you draft. So whatever the lineup settings for that league, you don't have to decide who to put a quarterback. The system just says, this is your top scoring quarterback. You get him this week, top two running backs, top three receivers, whatever it is to fill your lineup. So the upside of it is, you know, it's something that you can, you draft your best team and then you're not subject to the luck of choosing the right or wrong players on a weekly basis. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we can't understate the differences from best ball to redraft, right? To standard redraft lineup setting leagues. And if you're not adjusting your draft strategy and your player rankings for best ball, you're going to lose. Yeah. So now let's talk about those specific adjustments. And the first step to keep in mind, weekly upside matters. We all want to chase ceilings in this format, but you can't overrate it. That's easier, I think, to do than just not pay attention to it from the start. So Weekly volatility, like we said, you don't have to choose who's going into your lineup. You're automatically getting those spike weeks. That's going to make a lot of people lean toward those uh, spike week stereotypes, I think, more than even like good spike week players. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, to me, stands out as a good example of that kind of guy right now. You look at him, you see his downfield speed, see the way he played in Green Bay in particular. You think, I'm going to chase this guy's spike weeks, and then I don't care about his down weeks. Well, if that guy's giving you two spike weeks and the rest of them stink, then he's not really helping you if you take him too early. Keenan Allen, I think, on the other hand, is somebody that tends to get undervalued in this format. You look at him, you think floor play. Keenan Allen last season was injured for half the year, was probably injured for some of the other games that he did play. He still topped 20 PPR points three times. He hit 30 points to close the season. So that's a player that has that upside. And I think it's an example of not overrating volatility and going for somebody who seems to fit the stereotype. Yeah, stereotypes is the perfect word, right? Because stereotypes are, are wrong often. And that's the case, I think, when a lot of people look at this weekly volatility. They do it just based on feel. I, I feel like this guy has the upside to have big games, and I feel like this guy does not. That's not how, how we do it. We actually dig into the numbers. We look at the historical trends, historical scoring from these guys, and give each player a best ball rating that you're going to find in your best ball draft war room that considers their weekly swings in production. Again, that rating is factored into the player's best ball value on your draft war room, which is going to help you identify the guys that actually do have that explosive scoring upside each week that's going to help you win these best ball leagues. Yeah, and we have upside mode in the draft war room kicking in automatically at some point. You might even switch over to it at times here and there to take a ceiling player earlier in your draft. The second step here that we're going to talk about, supercharging your team by stacking. If you are an experienced best ball player, then you're already very familiar with stacking, or if you're a DFS player. If you're less familiar, if you don't know what stacking is, it's basically combining two players from the same team. Commonly, it's the quarterback and his wide receivers, especially his number one wide receiver. And obviously, the goal here is to maximize the scoring. You're basically making one correlated bet with two positions on your roster, as opposed to combining two separate bets and just hoping that they both go right. Because if a quarterback goes off in a given week, 
at least somebody that he's throwing passes to is likely to come with him. And if there's somebody that's his dominant number one receiver, that guy is more likely to join the quarterback in going off in any given week throughout the season. Quarterback and tight end is another one because tight ends are so reliant on touchdowns. You want to get those touchdowns on both ends of that one if you can. There are other examples. You know, you can check out DraftSharks.com and all the content. We'll talk more about specific stacks throughout the year. I talked about why it's beneficial, Jared. The things you want to avoid overstacking a team, especially early in the draft, because you have to keep in mind what kind of uh, draft capital you're giving up to get these players and not reaching for those stacking partners in the middle rounds. If you get late in the draft, a a reach from round 19 to 17 is not a reach. But in the middle of the draft, if you're reaching three rounds ahead to get somebody that you could wait for or who goes off the board before it gets to your turn because somebody else reached, you're negating the upside of that stack. Exactly. So you got to be careful there. But in general, we do want to be stacking in best ball leagues. You're really crushing your chances to beat, whether it's a contained 12-team league or these larger tournaments, you're really hurting your chances if you're not stacking. The draft war room is really going to help you here. The draft war room in best ball mode is going to highlight stacking opportunities throughout your draft. So an example, say you draft Trevor Lawrence. As soon as you click that button to draft Trevor Lawrence, his pass catchers are going to be highlighted on your draft war room. So you, you don't miss them. Some of these drafts are quick, right? They're 30-second clocks. I know guys like Matt like to get in 20 of these drafts at a time. You can lose track of what's going on. So your draft room, it's going to highlight these guys so you don't miss them. And it works the other way, too. If you draft, say, Jamar Chase, you're going to have Joe Burrow highlighted on your draft room so you don't miss him. So it's really super helpful. And if you're like me, you probably got kids chirping at you while you're trying to do these drafts, too. So it definitely helps to have something being like, hey, here's that wide receiver you wanted. Make sure you're paying attention. Next up, adjust your strategy to the format. Jared just talked about playing in contained leagues versus playing in tournaments, and it's a big difference, and you're going to have to pay attention to your specific format. So obviously player valuations vary by league size, by scoring system, by format. The draft war room covers you on that front. Um, It knows your format by what you put in. You sync it to where you are drafting, so it can tell exactly what's going on. It knows what's going on throughout your draft. Best ball tournaments, like you just alluded to, Jared, on underdog, on FFPC, on drafters, more and more people are playing in those. They're starting earlier and earlier going throughout the year. So in these contests, you're not just trying to win a typical fantasy football league. It starts out that way, but ultimately you're trying to win this large tournament over thousands of other teams. So you have to adjust how you're drafting. You definitely need to make different decisions throughout and employ different strategies. What's kind of the first one that people can use here? Yeah, for these basketball tournaments, you need to draft like you're right. What does that mean? You can't afford to be hedging too much or really at all in these big tournaments to beat out thousands or hundreds of thousands of other teams. You're going to need to hit on the vast majority of your picks and, and, and basically build a super team, right? So you need to be drafting as if your picks and roster build are going to work out. You don't want to be hedging. So say you open your basketball draft by taking running backs with your first two picks. You're banking on those running backs hitting. If they one of them busts, if both of them bust, you're, you're probably not going to win this massive tournament anyways. Construct the rest of your team as if those first two running backs hit. That means don't take another running back for a while, right? You don't want to be taking another running back in round four. You probably want to take your third in the middle rounds, and you probably don't want to take more than four or five total because, again, you're banking on those first two guys delivering starter-level production for most of the weeks of the season. The same thing applies to other positions. You take an early quarterback. Don't take three quarterbacks. You take a 10th-round quarterback as your first quarterback. You probably want to take a couple more within the next two rounds. So understand how your team is being constructed and, again, draft assuming you're right. 
you're probably not going to win that with that team anyways, right? Your odds are slim, but you want to maximize your chances of that team being the one that beats out, you know, the thousands, hundreds of thousands of other teams. Mm-hmm. And if I had had Stefan Diggs going in week 17 last year, <laughs> I might have taken down that, that tournament instead of finishing fourth on drafters this past year. The second point here, building a player portfolio. And honestly, Jared, this has been one that's tough for me to get my head around because if you've been playing fantasy long enough, you draft each team like it's a team. But if you are drafting a bunch of best ball teams and you treat every single one like it's its own contained team, then you're going to end up overexposed to players and underexposed to some breakout players. So you have to treat it like it's an entire portfolio. You have to pay attention to guys that you're getting shares of. It doesn't mean you have to draft everyone because if you just spread it around to absolutely everybody, you better be a max drafter because there are people who are maximizing their entries into that tournament, taking as many teams as they possibly can, and they will have all of those bases covered beyond what you do. So what I like to do is I have my favorites, but sometimes I'll lean away from that favorite guy, maybe target a different position at that turn where I normally take James Conner <laughs> so that I can differentiate some. So, you know, if if a player who is a favorite gets hurt, he doesn't take yep. down all of my teams. We've got the ceiling projections. We've got upside mode in the draft war room to highlight the kinds of players who will break out later. And you don't, like I said, you don't want to have the same guy every time because there's going to be more than one in that range. And if one gets hurt, then you've missed out on them. And listen, you'll see it in your draft war room. These guys are separated by eight tenths of a point, 1.2 points. Like the, the margins are slim. So don't think you have the answer that this is going to be the guy you need you'll have some humility be willing to like you said spread your exposures around a bit if you're drafting a bunch of these teams yeah and the upside mode that i just alluded to is not going to you know pinpoint one single guy because there are more than one yep. guy in those extra rounds For sure. um, that have that ceiling jared what's up next on this list yeah I, I love this one target rookies especially in early tournaments and when i say early i mean like before the nfl draft a lot of these tournaments will start you know basically right after the super bowl ends Rookies can be scary. They're they're unknown. We have not seen these guys play in the NFL. And before the draft, we don't know what round they're going to get picked in, where they're going to be playing. So people tend to shy away from that unknown a little bit. If you take these rookies before the NFL draft, for one, you're going to be gaining value because most of these rookies are going to climb in ADP. You could have got Garrett Wilson last year in the 13th round pre-NFL draft, where post-NFL draft he's going 8th or ninth round. So that's one benefit. The second benefit, a lot of these rookies end up being the super high upside and sometimes league winning picks you had to have. I mean, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave last year, two great examples of guys that, you know, were massive, massive values because people just didn't, hadn't seen it yet. Right. They hadn't seen those guys produced in the NFL, even though we knew they were awesome prospects, they got the draft capital. And the final point on rookies, they're, highest end production tends to come over the second half of the season, right? As they get more acclimated to the NFL, to wide their offense, especially. wide receivers, especially. And that's where all the money is in these big best ball tournaments, right? Like you need to have the big week 15, 16, especially week 17. So the rookies especially can have their, you know, big spike scoring weeks when you need it most. Mm-hmm. And what you can do is take a couple of those guys in the later rounds. And that way, even if just one of them goes off, you've got that. Or if they're inconsistent as rookies might be, maybe alternate those weeks that you get from them. Next up on our list, seeking game stacks. And we talked about 
stacking players on the same team before. It's the same concept. You're just adding in a second team. And this is something that we have in mind when the NFL schedule comes out. So tournaments that happen, you know, beyond April. And we're talking about best ball tournaments with playoff weeks. So you have this 14-week regular season, and then you hope to advance. And assuming that your teams do advance, then what you need to do is really have these big one-week scores to get through those rounds and to ultimately win the money. So you're primarily targeting those targeting those week 17 game stacks. You look at who's playing each other. Um, you try to get players from both sides of that matchup. And it doesn't even just mean, Jared, you pick out your favorite two or three games because we're all going to be wrong about plenty of those games. Rams Chargers was uh, th- probably the biggest game stack that people were, tra- were targeting last year. And by the time we got to it, there was nobody left for the Rams. So it was a crappy game to have stacked. So what you want to do in game stacking is... Start your draft as though you're drafting a team. And then as you go, if there are two players close together, check and see if that running back, check the two running backs that are next up on your list. If one of them is playing somebody else that's already on your roster in week 17, you favor that guy. You've got that game stack if that game does really go off in week 17. And then you can you can really make a difference yeah. in the championship week of your best ball tournament. Yeah, don't overdo it. Don't go reaching well past ADP. Look at the ADP on your draft war room. Look at the DMVP value on your draft war room. Don't go overboard with this stuff because, again, you're going to negate the advantage of stacking if you reach. But the idea is just, again, increase correlation, especially in that week 17 where all the money is in these big tournaments. If you can find the game that – well, I think it ended up being Lions-Bears – Last year, wasn't it? That was the, a good game, one. the game that blew up that you kind of had. Well, Justin have. Fields stunk in that game. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I mean, you get the idea, right? You mm-hmm. want to find the game that blows up, and if you have four or five guys from that game, it's really going to help your chances of you know getting to the top of these leaderboards. And another good way to differentiate by stacking those non-obvious games, because Lions Bears yes. was certainly not obvious at this time last year. So, whether you're an experienced best ball drafter or brand new to the format, you can find more tools and advice on DraftSharks.com to help you build the best rosters. Chief among those is the Draft War Room, equipped with upside mode. That combines our award-winning projections with ceiling projections and the likelihood of a player reaching that ceiling. The result? In upside mode, you get players with tournament-altering potential recommended to you at every turn. And if you're drafting best ball teams on Underdog or FFPC, you can access the Draft War Room sidebar feature right there in your draft room on either site. So get on DraftSharks.com right now and sync your Draft War Room. It'll help supercharge your best ball drafting. 